Online Podcast. This is the Bottom Line Podcast presented by Anchor.fm, your home for sports and entertainment talk. I'm Jimmy Finizzi alongside Neil Villapiano. We hope you're doing well. As always, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to take a listen. We really do appreciate it. Before we get started, you know the drill. Questions, opinions, Twitter and Instagram at Bottom Line WMCX and on Twitter at the NVP Show and on Instagram at NVPQB11, hashtag Bottom line, voice message on Anchor, the app or anchor.fm. And as always, if you like what you see on YouTube, please drop a like and a comment down below. It helps out tremendously. And please subscribe and hit the bell so you don't miss a single episode. And subscribe on all audio listening platforms as well. Just include Jimmy when searching for this podcast. Neil, first and foremost, how's everything with you, my dude? Uh, everything's good now that I got a, a warm taste of coffee in my mouth, but no, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, obviously it's, it's been a, it's been an exciting week, um, for a lot of the teams that I'm a fan of, uh, right off the bat, uh, Liverpool got a nice victory, a two nothing victory over RB Leipzig in the round of 16 first leg in the champions league. Uh, the devils for the first time in 16 days had their first game and they kicked your ass and your team's ass last night, five and, and two. You know what? And you know what? I, I I don't mean to cut you off, but deservedly so. The, the Rangers had no business being a part of that game. But I digress. C- continue, please. So, but you know, obviously, it didn't matter like who the Devils played. The fact that they were able to win after being away for sixteen days and didn't really look that rusty anyway. Uh, was a great thing. And then obviously, and we're going to be talking about this in just a few minutes, but the Brooklyn Nets coming back from down Mm. 24 points last (laughs) night to the Phoenix Suns to win last night by two points. And it was the largest uh, come from behind victory in Nets history. Actually, it's the second longest, second biggest comeback in Nets history in the last 25 years. So it was a big win. The Nets didn't have KD or Kyrie. And they get an emotional comfort behind victory. And now they get to travel to La La Land to take on LeBron James and the Lakers on Thursday night. So I'm <laughs> so I'm doing pretty well. Can't can't really, really complain that much. <laughs> well, I am happy for you, but like I said, as far as Devils Rangers look, Devils clearly showed no signs of slowing down. I tweeted it out last night on social media, but look. I'm not going to go into a whole tangent. You already know my spiel about the problems with the New York Rangers. I'm not going to get into a whole tangent about that. I've said it one too many times. I am not getting into that again. But with all that being said, I digress. I'm glad you're doing well. Hope you're doing well out there, too, if you are watching. Also, pitchers and catchers are reporting today. So there's another thing to add on to that. Yes. Baseball is back. Pitchers and catchers are this week. I cannot wait for the season to start. But although it's going to be fascinating to see how – um, they handle uh, COVID protocols this year, but I'm sure we'll discuss that in a future episode. But today's episode, listen, I feel bad for not giving the NBA as much love as we used to because, look, let's face it, the NFL has been king. It's been a lot of football-related stuff the past like couple months or so for this podcast, outside of some hockey talk and occasionally a little bit of uh, baseball talk. But I feel bad for not giving the NBA as much love as it needs to, especially with the two local teams who are playing actually very, very well right now. And that would happen to be the Brooklyn Nets 
and the New York Knicks. Neil, since I'm a good egg, I'm going to start with your Brooklyn Nets first sure. since you mentioned the uh, the comeback win against the Phoenix Suns. So at the time of this recording, which is February 17th of 2021, uh, the Brooklyn Nets currently sit as the second seed in the Eastern Conference at 18-12, and 12, only two games behind in the loss column behind the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who are in first place at 18-10. and 10. Like you mentioned before, Neil, they came back from 24 points down against a really a Phoenix Suns team who really has been red hot as of late. What were they on, like a seven game, six game? That was just, they were on a six game winning streak. They were looking to go seven and zero on their homestand, and all their games that they had won had been against Eastern Conference teams. So right. obviously, they had had a really good amount of success. Um, right, and I will say this. Uh, and I'll speak as a Nets fan and being as passionate as I am. The Nets are terrible when they play a team below 500. They are right. god-awful. They play down to the level of competition. The teams that they should be beating, they usually don't beat for whatever reason. But when they play a team like Phoenix, like Golden State, like the Sacramento Kings, hell, even the, the Lakers coming up in a couple of days, when they're over 500, especially multiple games over 500, the Nets usually come to play. Because they look at it and they say, well, this is a team that maybe down the road we may face, whether it's in the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference. Um, what's really crazy to think about is this, and I'll, I'll kind of shift gears for just a moment. The Utah Jazz are arguably the, the most exciting team to watch in the NBA this year. I mean, just five losses, I think 23 or 24 victories. They've been absolutely smoking red hot fire, you know, since the season began. And when the Nets played them, the Nets blew them out by something like 25 points. Now, obviously, right. this is a little bit of a different Jazz team than the last time they faced them. I don't. I would imagine that they would play them again, probably this time in Utah. And, 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 by, and by the way, and by the way, I don't mean to cut you off. I apologize, but Utah is 23 and five. 23. How and five. come? How come 24. nobody? How come nobody is talking about the way that they're playing right now? They are. They're one of the best teams in basketball right now. I think it has a lot to do with number one is that the jazz are a small market team. I think that's one thing. I think number Fair. two, um, the, the championship goes through the Lakers. Um, even though obviously Anthony Davis is out for the next two to three weeks with somewhat of an Achilles injury or strain. Um, the, the road still, you got to go. And especially the Western Conference, I think it goes said, right? through the, it goes through the Lakers. That's really, that's really what it is. And the jazz have gone to the playoffs the last couple of years, but they've kind of faltered, whether in the first or second round. So really, it's kind of like, a, yeah, this is a really impressive start to the year for Utah, but mm. can it last? Is this right. a team that's built to go long term? And I don't know. I think it would have to. I think you'd have to wait and see how the season progresses, and then go from there. But shifting right. back to the Nets, so they go into last night. They're playing the. Phoenix Suns, who are, are led by, obviously, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, CP3, Chris Paul. You know, they have a pretty good mix of young talent and veteran leadership on that team. And, you know, Monty Williams has done a really good job of coaching that Suns team. Hell, last year in the bubble, they went 8-0, and they missed the playoffs because they were just too far behind when the, yeah. bubble, when the bubble season started. But for them to go undefeated, you know, was really, really impressive. And I, I think Monty Williams should have gotten more recognition for coach of the year for the mm. job that he did with that Phoenix Suns team. But they get 
some more veteran leadership in CP3, and he really, really balled out. I mean, he CP3 is a bucket in, in crunch time. He is super clutch. Oh, he yeah. knows exactly when it's time to, to start, you know, making buckets. And in that fourth quarter, he really, really was difficult. But, you know, in that first half of that game, the Nets looked like what I had kind of expected in a way. You know, they didn't have KD, they didn't have Kyrie, and it felt like James Harden just had to carry the load. And, you know, it looked like they were going to be going off to getting blown out. They were down by 21 at halftime. Yep. And I actually stayed up uh, the entire game. And my brother, who I was watching the game with, you know, he likes to say this all the time whenever the Nets are down by this much. He's always like, oh, here comes the comeback. And, you know, nine times out of ten, he's wrong uh, for obvious reasons. But I do have to give him credit that he kind of stayed with it throughout the course of that game. And I don't know when exactly the, the comeback really kind of started where you can pinpoint a moment, but it was definitely like midway through the third quarter where the second squad, you know, or as, or as my brother called it, the meme squad, you know, the guy likes of, you know, Tyler Johnson, uh, Shamit, um, you know, a couple other guys that are, are, you know, escaping my head right now, Jeff Green. DeAndre as Jordan. Well. Deon, well, not really Jordan, because Jordan really played the second half. Chris well, Chioza. Wow. Uh, guys like that, they started to come in and they were making shots and they were playing really good defense. And that was the thing that really stood out in the second half. Their defense came to play. And I had not seen the type of defense that they had played in quite some time. And obviously, you know, James Harden had to take over somewhat and he did. And you go down to a situation where you get a stop on defense, you're down by one, you need a big bucket. And James Harden, without any hesitation over Mikael Bridges, absolutely drills the three-point shot. Mm. It didn't hit off the rim and go in. It didn't hop, hit off glass and go in. Nothing but he, net. It hit the twine and boom. And James Harden, that was a that was a grown man's three-point shot. I mean, that was lethal. He is a bad man for many reasons. Mm. And, you know, I watched James Harden occasionally when he was in Houston, but now that he's on the nets and I watch him on a nightly basis, I really love James Harden's game and what he has brought to the Brooklyn Nets. He is clutch. He's a great facilitator. I mean, he is arguably, other than Kevin Durant, the most important player on this Brooklyn Nets team. Those two guys will take the nets as far as they want to take them. I mean, that's just what it is. And you look at how James Harden came up last night. And it was just one of those moments where he really kind of showcased, you know what? I deserve to be recognized as one of the best players in the NBA. And honestly, I think James Harden should be up for MVP. I think he should get some looks. I really Thank do. You. Because I think that, and I get it. He's playing on a stacked, for the most part, a stacked Brooklyn Nets team, you know, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. But last night, he didn't have KD. He didn't have Kyrie. He did that himself. He, we saw a lot of what the Houston Rockets James Harden was, where he had to kind of take over, and he did. And that was really a big-time victory, albeit the Nets probably should have won that game um, by a little bit more than they did. But again, for them to still rally from 20-plus points down to win that game is huge. And I want to give credit also to Landry Shamit on that last possession against Devin Booker. He did mm. jump. He played really good defense. Booker was trying to sell that he got fouled, even though it clearly was that he did not foul him. And that was a big play. And I've given a lot of crap to Landry Shamit over the last couple of weeks. You know, I call him Sham, you know what, you know, for, for a while. And it's, it's because, you know, he really wasn't fitting into the system. Now I'm starting to see him be more confident. He's making shots. He's making threes. He's playing solid defense. And I look at this Nets team and I say, look, 
once they get to a point where the whole team is healthy and they have the team that they want, you know, right. whether it's the guys they have now or they got to make a couple moves at the trade deadline or at the buyout, the buyout period, whatever the case may be. Once this team gets going, the chemistry is going to flow. And I think the defense is going to slowly but surely get there. And it's huge for the Nets to get on somewhat of a winning streak. I think it's now a four game winning streak dating back to when they lost embarrassingly on the road to Detroit. They beat Indiana. They beat up on Golden State, they beat Sacramento, and then they have a comfort behind victory against Phoenix. And they're in a good position where they maybe could go undefeated on this road trip. Now, they obviously do play the Lakers tomorrow, yes. and that's going to be tough even without Anthony Davis. It's You're still going up against LeBron James. And we don't know if Kyrie is going to be available for that game. We don't know if Kevin Durant is going to be ready for that game. So, you know, it might be a little bit more difficult for the Nets to have another game like they did last night. Hopefully they don't. Um, I would love to see the Nets be fully healthy, and I would have loved to have seen the Lakers be fully healthy for that game because that, to me, would have been the matchup of the regular season right there considering oh, all of the factors. Um, but unfortunately, that's not what we get. Maybe when the Lakers come to Brooklyn, that might be a different story. But we we shall see. Right. But I, I'm, I'm just happy that the Nets had that victory last night. Um, I would have had a lot more to say about the Nets um, in a more negative light had they lost last night. But, you know, look, their defense is still still needs to improve. Like, it really does. Oh, it, yeah. It's frustrating to watch them give up so many easy shots. I really I, also... I, I, I was, I was going to bring up... I don't mean to cut you off. I, I'm sorry, Neil. But I, I was actually going to bring up that point earlier is that there are some games where oh, they don't want to play defense because their defense seems to be sporadic. One game, they don't want to play defense. One game, they look like the best defense in the NBA. So it, it's a little bit sporadic, but I would it, disagree it, with it, that it definitely, wholeheartedly. I, I, actually, I, I, would, I would disagree with that because let me, let me explain. First of all, their no, defense ahead, is ahead. not sporadic. Their defense, for the most part, is non-existent. Because if you look oh, okay, at it, right, first of all, right, the Nets right. are ranked 25th in defensive efficiency, and they're 27th in overall defense. There is no defense on this team. Really what they try to do, and really the game plan that they have, is that they go out there hoping that they make their shots. You know, the guys, the likes of Katie, Kyrie, you know, Joe Harris, James Harden, they're hoping that those guys are making their shots, and they're hoping that they just, you know, win a, a shootout, basically. And if they're not making their shots like they were in the first half, Look what happens. They start getting blown up because their defense can't stop a nosebleed. Right. And they've tried to bring in a couple of guys to play some defense. You know, Iman Shumpert, uh, they brought in Norvell Powell, but they ended up cutting him to bring in Andre Robertson. Um, we're hearing rumors about the Nets maybe going after someone like JaVale McGee or Andre Drummond, you know, a, mm. a big man to help out with DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre Jordan is way past his prime and he is a defensive liability in so many different ways. And so the Nets basically, the, the system that they have is not working, you know, and it, it, it frustrates me because I know this team can play defense, but they traded a lot of their defensive assets when they made the deal to get James Harden. But hopefully the Nets can start to turn that around. And they made some really good stops defensively last night, and that's a big thing. But right. I would like to see the Nets play really good defense like that for all four quarters. Because if they do that, I, I will tell you this right now. If the Nets defense even gets into the teens when it comes to defensive efficiency and also defensive overall rating, mm -hmm. this Nets team is, in, is, is impossible to beat because mm -hmm. there is not enough defense on the other side to handle the triplets of, you know, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. There right. just isn't. Now, 
The Nets are going to have games where they're not making their shots and they're going to lose. I get that. I've seen it happen already this year. But if they fix their defense, that even with a poor shooting night, they still give themselves an opportunity to win these games. And I know that they're going to be amped up to play the Lakers tomorrow. I know that. And it's going to be a back and forth game because the Nets are going to want to prove to everybody in the NBA world that they are the team to beat in the Eastern Conference and possibly the team to beat in the NBA. So we'll see. But the biggest thing is they have to continue to improve defense and they have to continue to improve rebounding. If they fix those things, it'd be re- I'd be really hard pressed to not want to pick the Nets to win the NBA championship this year. I, I was I was also going to go right into that because like like you said, the defense might be non-existent, but if, if they can improve that because offensively, we know what they can do. Offensively, they're virtually unstoppable i say virtually because they could have a poor shooting if they night, make like their said. shots right yeah yeah if exactly they make their shots. but but like i said offensively virtually who's stopping them really but and especially with james harden the way he's playing right now i mean oh boy watch out I, look i initially didn't think the nets needed james harden i didn't think they needed him but now that he's there he's he's been he's been proving a lot to me lately. well he, look, he's, he's been again proving we all know why james he, harden he, he, is there he is a clutch player we know why james harden is is on this team it's because kyrie irving went awol several weeks ago because he just True. didn't feel like playing if kyrie doesn't do that honestly i don't see the nets getting james harden and even if no. they still went out and got james harden they would have been a, they would have found a way to get him for a lot less than what they had to give up Right. I'm not saying that they still wouldn't have had to give up one or two of their young players, but I think when you look at everything that the Nets gave up in a three-team trade or four-team trade, you know, mm-hmm. to to make this work, I think that the Nets would have been okay with waiting to to have the Rockets kind of panic and then just make a deal just to make a deal. And and unfortunately, from the Nets standpoint, they had to make a deal because they did not trust and they probably still don't trust Kyrie Irving that much because they just don't know when he could go absolutely AWOL mentally. So they got James Harden in the hope that even if Kyrie goes off on a tangent for whatever reason, they still have two superstars in James Harden and Kevin Durant. And they can still do a lot of damage with both of those guys on the court. Their chemistry is flawless because it goes back to their days in Oklahoma City. And like Harden said a couple weeks ago, those two guys are a lot more mature now than they were back then. They understand each other. They know what works. They know what doesn't. They know what it takes to try to go win a championship. Obviously, Harden hasn't won one yet. But Katie has won one, has won a couple. You know, Kyrie Irving's won one. You know, they they needed to give James Harden an opportunity to be on a team that where he doesn't have to carry the load. And he Mm -hmm. talked about that prior to their game against Golden State when he spoke to Rachel Nichols from ESPN. He talked about how for many years in Houston, he felt like he had to carry the load and that the whole organization based their offensive game plan around James Harden and him scoring 40, 50, 60 points a night. But they weren't winning consistently and they weren't becoming a all-around championship team. Harden is on a team where he could be the third option, and he's cool with that because, as Kyrie pointed out, James Harden is the point guard. He is a great facilitator. He has tremendous eyes. He knows where everybody is at all points, and he's averaging about 11 assists per game, which is more than anyone else in the NBA. 
And that's incredible to me. So he can he can set up Katie. He can set up Kyrie to shoot 25, 30 shots a game while he's only shooting like 10 or 11 shots a game. Should, should, I, also bring, should I also bring up the fact that he had a triple-double in his first game as a net? Just and saying. he's had like four or five since he got here, which is more that, than any exactly, net, exactly. Any that net, proves net, my I mean, point. Like, Thank you. You know, this that, is that, how that proves my James point. Is. They, didn't, they didn't necessarily need him, but now that he's there, whoo, my goodness. Uh, I mean, I you know, it's but look, here's the thing: the Nets have a long way to go. You know, right. like I said, they still have to work on their defense, and then they have to get to the playoffs. Now, everybody oh, yeah. talks about, oh, well, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that the Nets are going to make the playoffs. Look. As somebody who watched the Nets for many years and, and being a fan of the Nets, you know, just making the playoffs was an accomplishment of itself. Like right. two years ago, when, when the young Nets team of D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, you know, Joe Harris, when those guys made the playoffs, it was miraculous. It really was. And, you know, for them to win a playoff game, was miraculous. Now, obviously, the Nets most likely will make the playoffs. It's a matter of where are they going to be when the seeding begins, because I'm worried about it. Because even at the two seed, they're probably going to play a team that's either at 500 or below 500. And that, to me, worries me that the Nets are not going to take them seriously. Mm. But, you know, the biggest thing for me is simply that, you know, can other teams stay with the Nets in a seven-game series? I do not know. I do not know. It's easy to catch a good team like that on a bad night or just, you know, on just any night in general. I mean, we've seen the Lakers lose to to some some teams. I mean, hell, just last night, they nearly lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are arguably the worst team in the NBA. So, I mean, it's possible. But in a seven-game series, I think the Nets would obviously be the favorites to win it. But I am always cautiously optimistic ever since becoming a Nets fan because – you never know when things are going to go wrong. You never know when things are just not going to go in your favor. And until I see the Nets, you know, hoisting the 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 O'Brien Trophy, you know, as NBA champions, I'm not really here going to slam my fist on the table and say the Nets are the best team in the NBA. They're going to go win the championship, blah, blah, blah. If they get to the conference finals, I will be ecstatic. I mean, oh, that's yeah. <laughs> really what I look at. But we shall see. But again. They need to continue to work on defense, maybe get another guy or two in. They probably would have to cut somebody, uh, maybe in Armand Schumper. It, I mean, look, if Andre Drummond is there, especially if he gets bought out, which we're all hearing he's probably going to get bought out, I think the Nets would be crazy not to go after him because, look, he's led the NBA in rebounds for four of the last five years. Right. And he plays really good defense. And he would probably get some energy from going from a Cleveland team that's young and trying to rebuild to a Nets team that has an opportunity to go win a championship. And I think if the Nets were able to get a legitimate big man who can play defense, who can grab, you know, 15 to 20 rebounds a night that I, like I know uh, Andre Drummond can do, the Nets are going to be one tough team to stop on a nightly basis. Um, <laughs> but obviously we'll see what Sean Marks wants to do. I have full faith in, gener- in the general manager, Sean Marks. He's oh, made yeah. a lot of good moves. I don't fault him necessarily for having to make the deal for James Harden. I get why he had to do it. Um, But, you know, we'll see what happens. But last night was a big victory, and we'll see if they're going to still be on an emotional high when they play the Lakers tomorrow night uh, in Los Angeles. Yep, absolutely. And by the way, Sean Marks has done a fantastic job with the Brooklyn Nets ever since. He's reinvented how you build a team because, look. Oh, yeah. 
Here's the thing. When he took over the Nets, they had no first-round picks. If we all remember, they made that ridiculous trade with Boston to get old, you know, Paul Pierce, Ke- old Kevin KG, Garnett and Paul Pierce, you know, I remember. Old Jason Terry. And those draft picks ended up becoming, I think, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yep. So, I mean, it, you know, you imagine, obviously, what the Nets could be if they had those guys, but maybe they wouldn't have um, the triplets that they have right now. So, I mean, it, it is what it is. But Sean Marks came in and he had to get creative, you know, take on other teams' big contracts. Like he took Timothy Mozgov's big contract in order to acquire D'Angelo Russell. You right. know, he flipped the pick to get um, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. He flipped picks to get, you know, Karis LeVert. He did a great job with his scouting team, particularly, you know, guys like Tiago Splitter to get the likes of Jared Allen and Rodion's Kuroots, you know, and guys like that. And they built their team that way. And for them to do it in that way without any first round picks is a remarkable job by Sean Marks. Now, obviously, 95 percent of what he built has been taken away over the last couple of months. But still, I feel confident that even if, you know, this doesn't, you know, fully work out or in the next two or three years, the Nets got to, you know, they're moving on from those three guys. Sean Marks looks at it and probably goes, all right, well, I'm kind of back to where I was, you know, when I first took over in Brooklyn, unless he's no longer there at that time, who, who knows? Um, yeah, we'll but he see. could probably rebuild that team again um, if he does, you know, if he does it the way that he was able to do it. But he reinvented how you build a team. He gave people another way to rebuild a team without having to have a multitude of first round picks like right. Oklahoma city has right now. So, right. you know, Sean Marks is a tremendous general manager and I'm so fortunate that he's the general manager of the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> no, absolutely. He's done a tremendous job. Just one more tidbit here from the Nets and Suns game uh, last night that I forgot to mention earlier. The Phoenix Suns did not even score a point in the final two minutes and 43 seconds of the fourth quarter. That is how dominant the Brooklyn Nets were during that 24-point comeback. So that just speaks in and, and of itself. And the Nets outscored the Suns 74 to, I believe, 45 in the second half. Yep. Oh, and, oh and, by, oh, and by the way, their bench got 40 points off the bench. That's that also, that also that's says a, a consistent lot. Thing, look, if that's a consistent thing down the stretch, like, like I said, that just makes this Nets team that much more – tough to beat because the Lakers have a deep team like off the bench and the Nets need to have that as well as having a a good big man, as well as having, you know, decent defense, you know, these things are somewhat correctable. It's just a matter of finding the right chemistry and finding the right time to make moves when you need to make them. But for them, for the bench to come up big last night, the likes of, like I mentioned, Landry Shamit, you know, you had, T, you know, Timothy Luwalu Cabarel, you had Tyler Johnson, who was in the starting lineup and I think has done a really good job. You know, mm. I think he's earned a couple more minutes. Chris Chioza, you know, guys coming off the bench and making a difference was huge. And I hope that continues, you know, moving forward. Hmm. No, yeah, 100%. I got no arguments with that. But the bottom line with the Brooklyn Nets is that they are definitely one of the teams to watch out for. 18 and 12, like I said at the time of this recording, the second seed in the Eastern Conference. And if they can just improve on the things that Neil said, they definitely have a solid chance of not just making the conference final, but definitely a solid chance of going to the NBA finals. But we shall see. We're not automatically saying that's going to happen, but they do have a very, very solid chance. But that's the Brooklyn Nets. 
But now let's shift over to Madison Square Garden because the New York Knicks are actually competitive. What? <laughs> I mean, Believe it. Where, where, where did this come from all of a sudden? All right, so let's just look at it this way right now. Again, at the time of this recording, the New York Knicks are currently the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference at 14 and 15. They are also yes. on their own little uh, winning streak right now. I believe they've won, yeah, they've won three in a row, or four in a row, I should, they're going for mm-hmm. four in a row. They have won they three in a the, row. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going for four in a row when they play the uh, Orlando Magic uh, tonight in Orlando. And listen, everybody and their grandmother thought the Knicks were going to stink. We all did. Why is that? Because the Knicks have been nothing but straight garbage for the past 20 plus years. But now all of a sudden, now that Tom Thibodeau is there as the head coach and they have guys from the likes of Emmanuel quickly, who, by the way, got a D plus ranking and has really, really proven really, really shown out. I really like like Emmanuel quickly's game. Um, Obi Toppin has been solid. RJ Barrett's been solid. Julius Randle's playing like a damn near all-star and dropped 44 the other night for crying out loud. And listen, you also have Mitchell Robinson, Franklin Okina, Austin Rivers. Well, Kevin Mitchell Knox, Robinson well. is out with an injury. So well, right, right. Yes, yes. But he, oh, was, and they, playing, oh, and they, he was playing well when, when he yes. was healthy. Oh, and they also re-signed Derek Rose, which I didn't get. I really didn't understand. No, they but, didn't re-sign him. They trade they traded him. They, 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 traded they, tra- him. they traded for him. I'm sorry, they traded for him. My guess for that, by the way, real quick, my guess for the reason why they did that was for two reasons. One, it's Tom Thibodeau, and Thibodeau has a relationship with you know, yes, Derek Rose dating That's back true. to their times in Chicago and also their times, I believe he was with Minnesota. Um at the time, Tom Thibodeau was there. Um, but also, I mean, Derek Rose uh, fits in well as long as he doesn't take away minutes, a lot of minutes, from Emmanuel quickly. Because really quickly is the future of that team. Oh, yeah. It's the future 100%. at that position um, and not Derek Rose. But, I, but no, Derek yeah. Rose understands his role with this team. And, and so far, yeah. he seems to have uh, blended in pretty seamlessly. Yeah, he's, he's actually been pretty solid ever since they got him back. But I digress there. I, I still don't quite get it. But, hey, as long as he can – do what he's doing, then, hey, I got no wishes with, I got no issues there once, if he continues to do what he's doing. But I've been hearing that, I've been hearing a lot of talk from some Nick fans, especially on the radio, that, oh, they should go out and acquire uh, Bradley Beal. So they just want to get rid of the team that's actually starting to win games? Like, what are you doing? Look, I get Bradley Beal is, is a star. I get it. I know he wants out of Washington and Quite frankly, I don't blame him because Washington is an absolute. No, he doesn't. No, he, he doesn't. doesn't. I thought I no, thought I All right, let me say this about Bradley Beal, and this is really pissing me off. Here's the go thing: on, Bradley Beal has not said once, once that he wants it out of Washington. It's every okay. bozo in in this damn media that wants Bradley Beal to be out of Washington because they're tired of seeing a great player like him wasting away his career with a team that has little to no hope in the next five years of being a competitive, let alone championship team. So everybody likes to throw out rumors here and there. The reality is, is that Bradley Beal loves playing in Washington and he wants to be part of the solution. And he wants to be one of the few star players we have in this league that is not immediately just going to go ring chasing because they're so tired of being in the same spot. Right. And you have right. to give Bradley Beal a lot of credit with the thing with the Knicks and the whole rumor mill and all that. Look, 
First of all, it's James Dolan. You can never put anything past him. The minute that the Knicks show any sort of success, James Dolan already wants to then make big-time moves because he immediately assumes that the Knicks are now ready to compete for a championship. They're not. This is a young, exciting team with guys that understand their role and they play hard because Tom Thibodeau's system is about playing hard. Oh, and now, by the way, they actually have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. Well, Hello? Also, well, come well, on. Be, why to, would you want to? Fair, why would you want to stop that? Well, Jimmy, to be fair, the Eastern Conference is hot garbage. It's not really that good anyway. Fair, I mean, three or enough, four teams enough. will probably go into the playoffs with an either 500 or below 500 record. Hell, that's what the Nets did this past year. So, I mean, True. it's not like, or, or at least the Orlando Magic actually made the playoffs with a below 500 record. I mean, it's, you know, if the Knicks uh, were in the Western Conference, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't be in that position. No. They wouldn't no. be in a position no. to make the playoffs. Um, but that's not, I'm not going to take away anything from the Knicks because look, they're 14 and 15. They probably are going to end up being at 500 by the end of tonight when they play the Orlando Magic. Um, and Tom Thibodeau, while he gives a lot of minutes, I mean, he 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 gives a lot of minutes to to these young players. Um, some people are worried that he's overdoing it, but that's just Tom Thibodeau's system. That's just yeah. who he is. And I think that it's actually good in a way because it gives these young players a lot of experience. It gives them a chance to understand how they need to perform in NBA games. And I think it's, and look, it's clearly been working through 29 games that they've, they're 14 and 15 and they are in a good position to make the playoffs. And I think that would be great. Because Knicks fans deserve that. Knicks oh, fans yeah. deserve this this team to give them some amount of hope. And look, obviously the year before, they were trying to go out and get KD and Kyrie. That never got close to happening. No. And they ended up signing all these other dudes to one or two-year contracts. And it was just an abysmal season. They didn't even get Zion Williamson when they were trying to, in the NBA draft lottery, they ended up getting R.J. Barrett. This year, they get Obi Toppin, who's been an exceptional player when he's mm. healthy. And all in all with the Knicks, they should not be thinking about getting a star unless there is somebody in the free agent market. Because if there's somebody in the free agent market, and the Knicks certainly have a lot of cap space since a lot of their players are young and are on rookie deals. True. I, you know, going after someone like Bradley Beal makes little to no sense because you probably have to give up the likes of R.J. Barrett or Obi Toppin or somebody like that. And even then, it's or not enough. Or possibly Julius Randle. Okay, well, the Knicks, the Knicks are already thinking about moving on from him anyway, which I've said before. The thing with Julius Randle is that I get it. I get why making a trade, you know, trading him away, especially at this deadline, makes a lot of sense because you could get a really good amount of, you know, assets for him considering how well he's been playing and how valuable he could be to a championship team. But right. if I'm the Knicks, I would give him a contract extension and say, look, you are going to be part of this team rebuilding. You are clearly taking the bull by the horns and you are performing and you are in the best shape of your career. And we believe in you. And this team, the biggest reason that they are 14 and 15 is because of someone like Julius Randle. Yep. This is a known fact. And I get, again, I get, why you want to trade him. It makes sense. But at the same time, it also makes sense to keep him because you have a lot of young players that are feeding off of a guy like Julius Randle. If you just give him away, if you trade him away, there, there goes that chemistry. And now all of a sudden these other players have to continue to try to, you know, move forward. And you can't take away that type of excitement. It's been a Thank lot you. of fun Thank to you. watch Julius Randle play.
and he Thank deserves you. to perform at this level. So, well, you know, look, the Knicks, they need to continue to quote unquote, trust what they're doing, believe in their rebuilding and continue to move forward from there. And if they do that, eventually a big name player, a star player or two will show up that the Knicks will be in perfect position to do so. If they follow it like the Nets did for several years and how they built their team, eventually they get attracted by big name players. I don't know who those big name players are. I don't know what the what the future holds, but the Knicks got to continue to go forward in this direction they're having because it's fun basketball. There's very little to no expectations for the Knicks to even make the playoffs, and they're 14 and 15, and they're probably going to be 500 by the time this episode comes out, maybe, or you know, by the end of this week they might be over 500. Who knows? But this is a and also let's talk about this real quick. The Knicks have statistically the best defense in the National yes. Basketball Association. Yes. They're, 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 sec- they're second defensively. Second. They're, they're the second, second best defense in, in the entire NBA. They're, they're second best defense overall and their first in defensive efficiency. Yep. That is tremendous. And that is a big reason why the Knicks have been able to win games. They're a tough team to face. They are aggravating to a lot of teams. They can go out and compete with any of these teams. Yep. And it's great for Knicks fans because they have a team that just likes to compete on a game-to-game basis and goes out there and plays with a lot of passion, and they're not worried about dealing with all the fans. I'd be curious to know what Madison Square Garden would be like if there were fans there, which obviously that will change in the, in the very near future because obviously – Yeah, I, I think they're supposed to have fans, fans back there uh, this upcoming – Tuesday, the 23rd. The 23rd, play, I believe um, the 23rd was the first day. Um, yes. But, you know, they, that's, who they, who they play you know, that we'll see. We'll see how the Knicks continue to progress. I like how they're playing. They have a lot of likable players, not like Reggie Bullock, though. He's not very likable <laughs> at all. Yeah, um, outside of him. Know, Alfred Payton, no, not really. But uh, they have a lot of young, likable players. And I like Tom Thibodeau. I like his coaching style. I like what he's been able to do with this Knicks team. And really, it's going to continue to be a lot of fun to see this Knicks team compete because at the end of the day, that's what Knicks fans like to see. This is a competitive team that gives themselves more than a good opportunity to possibly go and make the playoffs this year. And, you know, who knows, Jimmy? For all we know, the Knicks might be playing the Nets in the first round of the playoffs this year. And to be honest with you, that would be – a very, very back-and-forth series, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. How how tremendous would that be? A first-round series against the Nets. The, that, that would get ratings, for sure. That would get ratings. But I believe but, also somebody uh, sent you a question about the Knicks um, on Instagram last night, I believe, I was told. Oh, I, I actually didn't get a chance to look. I'll, I'll look that up in a few short moments. But, but look, I get it. That, look, this Knicks team is actually fun to watch for the first time in 25 years. Why would you want to? I wouldn't, screw up that I, I wouldn't go back twenty-five Dole. years. I mean, they did have Melo and all those guys that made the playoffs, you know, six, seven years ago, and that was exciting yeah, to watch. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's true. not like it's that been that long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you you do make a fair point there, and actually, yes, you're right. We do have a, a question here on Instagram about the Knicks. It actually comes from our guy Steve Durso, and he actually asked this question. Should Emmanuel quickly and Rose start for the New York Knicks? I know they're coming off the bench right now, but he's asking they should if they should start because they have blossomed together. Actually, it's actually a fair question, Steve, because if the, if their chemistry keeps up like this, 
why wouldn't you add them at a starting line? But the question is, who do you take out? Because if I remember correctly, I think their starting five is uh, Julius Randle, obviously. I believe R.J. Barrett. They're starting Alfred Payton, okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, Alfred yeah. Well, swa- swap right him, then, swap him right out for Emmanuel quickly. Swap him out right for quickly. Then and, Look, and then for Rose... For Rose, I really don't know you take out for Rose. This is the tough part because, look, your starting five right now is Alfred Payton. Then you have R.J. Barrett. Then you have Julius Randle. You have Reggie Bullock. God help us all. Mm. And you had Mitchell Robinson. I think Nerlens Noel or Taj Gibson might be starting right now because Mitchell Robinson is hurt. So if that's the case. If I were the Knicks, the two guys I'm taking out straight up, and every Knicks fan would agree with me, is Alfred Payton yes. and Reggie Bullock. Thank you. Take them Thank out you. of this damn lineup. Thank and you. here's what you do. You make Derrick Rose the point guard, Emmanuel quickly shooting guard, and you put R.J. Barrett at the three. Thank you. You do that. You're fine. Because you have your main young players with a very talented veteran even now in Derrick Rose, and it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Now, I don't know if it's more of a thing where, you know, we know Tom Thibodeau, likes to he prefers veterans to be in a starting lineup over young players but at some point Tom Thibodeau is going to have to realize that Emmanuel quickly needs to be given an opportunity to start I know he does really well off the bench so does Derrick Rose but at some point with that chemistry being as good as it is if you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed on a game in game basis you got you got to put your main guys out there. I get you also want to have a balance of having like a decent starting lineup and a really good bench. But at the end of the day, at some point, especially when you're a young player, you need to be given your opportunity if you're performing. And I think that if the Knicks had a coach that was more big on playing young players, probably quickly would have already been in the starting lineup. But the Knicks to have guys like Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton starting is just, it's not going to, it's not something for long-term success. No. For no. Right, you know, the best thing in the very, very near future, very hell, even tonight, if you feel like it, you know, <laughs> give Derrick Rose, give Emmanuel quickly their due and let it go. Let's just see what happens. You know, if it doesn't work, if they're not, if it's not cooperating well, okay, then maybe you put them back on the bench and you have them as the sixth and seventh man off the bench who right. bring in that second unit that puts up a lot of, you know, big time points. But you need to give these guys an opportunity. So I would say that you got to give quickly an opportunity. He's really done well. Look at, you know, quickly is, is averaging about 19 minutes a game. He yep. should get up to at least 25 to 28 in my opinion. 100%, 100% with you. 100%. 12 and a half points per game. And he's getting about, you know, two rebounds and two assists. So, like, obviously, he's a very raw prospect. Right. But he's still a very, very good player. And. The reason why I wouldn't put him at the one is because he's not much of a distributor. He's much better when it comes to going off the ball and being put in a position off the screen to take jump shots. He's really good at that. Derrick Rose at this point in his career is much better at being a facilitator. You need him to be the focal point of the offense, the guy who runs the show, the quarterback. Right. Look, the Knicks are not at full health either because Mitchell Robinson is hurt. But if you get, you know, if you have a starting five, honestly, of Derrick Rose, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Quickly, you have R.J. Barrett, you have Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson, that's a pretty solid starting five oh, yeah. of 
four guys that can be dominant in their position when it comes to scoring and one guy who's a really, really good facilitator. Right. So to me, I think it makes sense to give both Emmanuel quickly and Derek Rose a chance to play together on, you know, you know, in the starting lineup and, you know, chemistry is such an important thing. If those two guys already got it and Derek Rose has only been with the team for about four games, that, that really shows you that this is going to continue to be really, really fun to watch when those two guys take the court together. So I, I would say, yes, I would say it's time to give those guys a chance to be in the starting lineup. One, 100% agree. I have no arguments. Give quickly and Rose their due. Take out, take out Peyton and Bullock because it's not – those two are just like, eh, who really I mean, cares like, about, who, who you know, really like, cares about he, them? You know, it just – Reggie Bullock, eight points a game. I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm not – no. Uh, Alfred Payton, 12 points. A, these eh. are guys that you eh. could trade for, like, second-round picks, to be yeah. quite frank. Um, exactly. They're not there long-term. I mean, Derrick Rose is not there long-term either, but still, no. you know – Derrick Rose in just four he's, games. He's a better option than Reggie better. Bullock. <laughs> Derrick Rose has already been better than, than both of those guys, and he's only played in four games. So, exactly. You know, I think it's I think it's time, but maybe the Knicks have a certain plan that they want to go at go go for and everything. But look, any rumor you're hearing about the Knicks going after a star, look at it in one of two ways. Either it's James Dolan because he's insane and that he's impatient. And maybe mm. also because the Rangers are really struggling that he's trying to get some excitement in Madison Square Garden. Or two, it's just a lot of Knicks fans who just think now that because they're a half-decent competitive team that they think that they deserve to get a superstar already. And they're just impatient because they're tired of the Knicks being garbage. The Knicks are, are a competitive, fun exciting entertaining team to watch on a game-to-game basis particularly guys like Julius Randle and RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly and you just just try to enjoy that because this team has a lot of potential moving forward and they look don't worry about draft picks don't worry about nothing worry about just seeing this team continue to go out there and compete because hell they could very well make the playoffs in a very very weak eastern conference i mean you look at the situation right now with the knicks they are the sixth seed okay right if the season stopped today they're playing the milwaukee bucks in the first round of the playoffs we have one, two, three, four, five. We have five teams in the Eastern Conference that are in playoff positions that are either one or two games below 500. That is how weak the Eastern Conference is. Yep. So even if the Knicks don't finish the year above 500, they still have more than a 50% chance. Hell, even more than a 75% chance of probably making the playoffs. But obviously, you don't want to get ahead of yourself because things could really fall apart in the very, very near future. But still, the Knicks are an exciting team to watch. They're entertaining. And if they make the playoffs, they deserve to be in the playoffs, regardless of the fact that the Eastern Conference is hot, stinking garbage. <laughs> yes, but just like Nets fans, be cautiously optimistic about your team right now, Knicks fans, because they are fun. They are exciting. They're energetic. They're actually competing for the first time in a while. And look, Tibbs for coach of the year. I, I don't know if I'd make that argument, but you know what? He he's done he's done he's done quite the job with this team so far. And I really hope that this team keeps it up. But the bottom line is the Knicks are very, very exciting to watch. And the Nets, they could have a virtual puncher's chance of going 
to the NBA Finals. And by the way, I completely forgot to mention this earlier. Um, if you are hearing any background noise, if you're watching or listening, there is a bit of construction going on here in my home studio here. So I do apologize that you've had to uh, hear that. But anyway, on that note, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Bottom Line Podcast. If you have any thoughts on the Knicks and the Nets, let us know on Twitter and Instagram at BottomLineWMCX and on Twitter at the MVP Show and on Instagram at MVPQB11, hashtag bottom line. Voice message on Anchor, the app, or anchor.fm. And please, if you're watching on YouTube, drop a like and a comment down below. It helps out tremendously. And please make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you don't miss a single episode. And please subscribe on all audio listening platforms. Just include Jimmy when searching for the Bottom Line podcast. So, unfortunately, that is a wrap for us for this week. We have a very busy week ahead. So, we have the rest of this week off. So, this is our only episode. Well, I mean, you do. I, I don't really. Well, do. I, well, <laughs> well yeah. <laughs> I do, so I won't be around, but there is good news because the debut of our new segment featuring the new guy, Austin Myers, is coming your way this upcoming Friday, February 19th, and then again next Monday. So he will have two new episodes for you, and the name is official. I talked to Austin about it. The name is official. It will be called Top Shelf with Mr. Taco. He is very, very pleased about that. So that's the new segment. So he'll give you all the latest news in the National Hockey League from player injury updates, team updates, uh, COVID protocols, every, pretty much everything involved with the NHL he's got covered. So that will debut this upcoming Friday. They will be posted as separate bonus episodes. We will not be putting them in to our episodes unless otherwise noted they will be a separate bonus episode. So that's what will be coming your way this upcoming Friday. But as far as us, we're done for the week. Neil, looking forward to doing it all again next week, my dude. Absolutely, without question. And Nixon Nets fans, be cautiously optimistic because both of your teams are very, very exciting to watch right now. For Neil Piano, I'm Jimmy Finizzi. This is the Bottom Line Podcast, and we will see you in the next episode. Peace out.